If I was really going to punish them, I would have requested ready to suffer. So. <laughs> but that is not my intention for you to suffer today. My intention is that we all be built up. And to that extent, our study today is going to be appropriate, I believe, for this time of year. I don't know how many of you, based on last week's sermon, were able to go out and view the various celestial shows that were. Not one of them did I observe. It was cloudy the entire time. I didn't get to see an eclipse. I didn't get to see a single meteor, nor did I see the space station go over. So, 0 for 3. But wait till next time. We're glad that you have come here today, not only in person, but those who have joined us online. And for our visitors today, we give you a great welcome. We pray that this will be a blessing to you as we study God's word. Sometimes I speak of connecting the dots. And it's not just that wonderful game that I loved to play as a child where you connected the dots and eventually as you connected more and more, you said, oh, there's the picture I see. But connecting the dots as it pertains to things that go on in our life. And many times it takes a long, long time for us to connect the dots. But I believe that it will be much easier for us to see as we connect the dots in our passage for today in Acts chapter 11. We'll break this passage into three separate parts, beginning with those who were scattered because of the persecution. And the persecution they're talking about is that which started, and they, now those who were scattered because of the persecution arose over Stephen. And Stephen, we know, was that one of the six of the original deacons, uh, pardon me, the seven, and he went about preaching, and because of his preaching to those who didn't necessarily want to hear what he had to say, he was stoned, and there arose. We go back to Acts chapter 1, uh, pardon me, Acts chapter 8, verse 1, and it said, and Saul approved of his execution. And that was what was at the end of Acts chapter 7. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city in Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. And so there was much joy in that city. And as a direct result of what was happening there at the end of chapter 7 as Stephen was stoned, and the beginning of chapter 8, where Paul goes about ravaging the church. The recordings are all made for the life of the Apostle Paul. If you've been following those, the last of those devotionals are out on the table. And some of those devotionals have, have covered this time in which Saul was going about 
ravaging the church because he believed that what he was doing was in keeping with God's will. But as a result of what was happening there with the stoning of Stephen and Saul going out persecuting, it tells us, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except for the apostles. The persecution caused them to go out. And as we ask ourselves the question, would they have scattered, would they have gone out preaching had it not been for the persecution? Well, that has been a debate that has gone on among scholars. I'm not going to settle that today. All I'm going to say is we have the evidence here of what actually happened. And what has happened is exactly what Jesus said was going to happen. In Matthew chapter 23, beginning in verse 29, it says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments. Interesting word. Kenny, thanks for that. Thanks for that. Uh, note that you read about the monuments in our comments of the Lord's Supper. Decorate the monuments of the righteous, saying, If we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. Thus you witness against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your fathers, you serpents, you brood of vipers. How are you to escape being sentenced to hell? Therefore I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify, and some you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town. Jesus had already prophesied and predicted that this is exactly what was going to happen, is that they were going to be persecuted from town to town. And in fact, as we go all the way to the last book that was written in the book of Revelation, as John tells what he sees when he opened the fifth seal in Revelation chapter 6, verse 9. He says, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They crowd out, cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete were to be killed as they themselves had been. Most will agree that the book of Revelation was written at the end of the first century. And it foretells that there were many more who were going to be persecuted and killed. But that's not the end of those who will be persecuted through time. As we come back to Acts chapter 8, and we read that as a result of, pardon me, Acts chapter 11, as a result of those things that happened, that they were scattered because of the persecution. And it says that they traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch. Now those weren't the next cities over. Those weren't even the next county over. They were traveling great distances to avoid the persecution that was there for them. Acts chapter 8, if we back up just a little bit, it says that Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them Christ. And of course, this is the Philip that we read about in Acts chapter 6, who was uh, one of those people that were chosen as deacons. We read in Acts chapter 9 that Ananias, the disciple, was in Damascus, that very same one who went to Paul. So we know the disciples were going out great distances to avoid this persecution. 
It isn't as though they can simply just stay at home and hope that they can ride out the storm. It's said that they were scattered because of it. Because Paul, remember, is going house to house, searching for those disciples of Christ in the way that they originally called the way. Remember, they haven't been called Christians yet until Acts chapter 11. They're looking for those people of the way. And in fact, as Paul goes about to persecute the Christians, those of the way, he's going to get, as it were, a taste of his own medicine in Acts chapter 13. As Paul is on what we typically call his first missionary journey, he says, and as they went out in Acts chapter 13, beginning in verse Verse 42, the people begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. Paul and Barnabas have gone into the synagogue to preach. And as you all well know, as you begged, say, oh, preacher French, I hope that you give us another great message. We're all going to show up next Sunday. I'm going to let the laughter roar down on this just a little bit. It says, and after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city, exactly is what's happening here, of course, the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles, for so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light to the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Paul is having happened to him exactly as he had done to those early disciples as he begins to persecute them. And what happens to Paul? Paul simply goes to the next group, which is the Gentiles. And what do they do when they are scattered? Do they hunker down, keep their heads down, keep their mouths shut, and make sure that they don't cause any trouble? Let's not make any waves. No, in Acts chapter 11, we read that they are speaking the word. What word are they speaking? Are they whining and complaining about the problems that have come upon them? Are they wishing that none of this had ever happened? Are they wishing they could just go back to their old style of life in which life was easy? No. They are doing exactly what we call the Great Commission, where Jesus told the apostles, Go therefore, and make disciples of all nations, Matthew 28, 19 through 20, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The same thing that Mark had written as well. And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel of the whole creation. The same thing that Luke records. Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer on the third day, rise from the dead. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. They understood the orders that had been given to them, the command that had been given to them to go and to preach. And as they go about to preach, let's back up to Acts chapter 4. 
The disciples, the apostles, have been called in to answer for the things that they are now doing in the temple, going about preaching. In Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 18. So they called them and charged them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. And it's exactly what Jesus had told them was going to happen. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. They understood these commands perfectly of what they were to do. You will be my witnesses. As Peter says, For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 41, as if it weren't enough to threaten them. In Acts chapter 4, we come to verse chapter 5. Gamaliel is giving them a caution here. And remember, Gamaliel was Paul's mentor. Paul tells him that he was a disciple at the feet of Gamaliel. He studied at his feet. And Gamaliel gives them a caution. He gives a couple of examples of those who had done things to upset, as we might call it in modern terms, the apple cart. But he says they came to nothing. Beginning in verse 38 of Acts chapter 5, he says, So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found to be opposing God. So they took his advice. When they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. They have been threatened. They have been threatened and beaten. And we're going to find out that they are going to pay for it with their life. Many of them did, as we read in the book of Revelation. They were rejoicing because they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. I will often say that are there any takers, any volunteers to suffer? Not just to be insulted or scoffed at, because we have that enough. But think in terms of being imprisoned, being beaten, paying for it with your life. We think, can't happen in this country. It simply cannot happen in this country. I wonder how many down through the ages said that very same thing. 
Peter says in his letter, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19, and Peter is writing his letter towards the end, of, closer to the end of the first century and certainly closer to the end of his life. When he said in verse 19, Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Entrusting our souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Now we connect the dots. A few months ago when I had planned this sermon, I planned it exactly for this weekend, knowing that this coming Thursday, the Lions will be playing. No, 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 that wasn't why is because lost somewhere in our history is the story of why those pilgrims came to this country. Because somewhere in this, our history is being rewritten and whitewashed. But in the story of those people who came to this country on that ship called the Mayflower, 400 years ago this year, remember it was 1620 when they left, it was 1621 when they had the first Thanksgiving. 400 years ago, they had the first Thanksgiving. We think, well, that was a great time to have a dinner. Why were they here? They were here because they heard there was a lot of money to be made. No, they were here because of persecution in England. Under the King of England and the Church of England, they were not allowed to worship as they wished. They went to Holland, then they came back to England and realized that there was an opportunity if they could come to this new world. And we begin to connect the dots in, in all that was spoken of in Acts chapter 11 where it tells us, so the disciples went about preaching. Why? Because of persecution. You and I are blessed this day, not simply because people had made the determination to come here, but connecting the dots of the providence of God. In losing track of we are here because people escaped persecution. And it's hard for some people to be able to see that big picture and connect the dots. But remember this Thursday. Long before you've turned on the lions to watch them, whatever they're going to do. That you and I have been blessed because people who were persecuted chose to go out as they were scattered and preach the word. And down through the ages, God has blessed those people who have appreciated what they have been given. And as they went about, preached, spreading the word because of persecution. I wonder if we have appreciated all that God has done for us 
in his providence. And it's easy for us sometimes, easier than other times, to be able to connect those dots in a providential way of which God has given us the blessings. Perhaps those blessings will not always be here in a peaceful way for us. And one day when that persecution becomes too great for us, we won't take the attitude that let's hunker down, keep our heads down, keep our mouths shut, and just hope for better days. But that we will be like those of the first century who considered it an honor to suffer for Christ because we are willing to stand up for our faith and continue to preach the good news, the good news that Jesus Christ came to this world as a human being, suffered for us, hung upon the cross, buried and rose again. That's the gospel. That's the gospel news. And based on that good news that he has paid the price for us, God has commanded us that we should believe, repent, turn to him, confess that he is Lord, master, and king of our lives. And in that final step, which we read of time and time again in the New Testament, be willing to be buried in the watery grave of baptism, to put on Christ, to rise from that grave of that water, and walk anew with Christ, and be willing to suffer as those did in the first century. Wherever you are at in your walk, I hope that today you will make that decision to become part of that great army of the Lord with the sword of the word of God to march forth for those who so desperately need the gospel message. As together we stand and sing.